Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. I am your host, Kyle, and joining me as always for today's midweek update is Eric from ES Invests. How are you doing today, Eric? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> gonna set it you know if we keep doing that eventually you're gonna be saying it at the right point well i was figuring you know sooner or later a broken clock is right twice a day yeah. so yeah i'm well on my way to being accurate right eventually sooner or later sooner or later it seems more on the later side right <laughs> so what's new in your world man Chilling, man. Um, today I launched that video with Richard Friesen, which is the dude that you referred over to me, which was actually like just a really, really fun conversation. I enjoyed that a lot. Ah, oh, that guy's um, such a good dude. Yeah, and it's there. There's another person I did an interview with not too long ago. Her name is Louise Bedford. I, I think it's on her podcast. She interviewed me. Hmm. Um, is more just a general conversation, but um, those kind of people are really interesting to me because I think about a side of things that I don't focus that much on, like mm -hmm. on a day to day. So I think it's like, that part is really cool. Like the thing with Louise Bedford that I found was really cool. Is she got me to think more about something that I never really considered, which is like, um, aversion goals versus target goals or whatever the fuck the other version was, but essentially huh. like, you know, are we creating goals to help us avert from something we don't want to happen or to target something we do want to happen? Like that's interesting. So what's I never the, fucking thought of that, dude. I how mean, do you know the difference? It's by the the quality of the goal, right? So like, if your trading goal is to make fifteen percent per year, you have a target. The target is fifteen percent. Mm -hmm. So that's like a target goal. But if your goal for the year is not to lose more than five percent, that's an aversion goal. You are trying not oh. to lose X percent. So, so you're starting off with a negative mindset in general. And it's not to say that aversion goals are always useless, but I do think it's really good to be able to differentiate between the two because then the supporting structure we apply around it actually changes. Oh, that's fascinating. Isn't it? It's, yeah. I, and I, I literally never thought about that before. What was the name of that uh, podcast again? It was with Luis Bedford. I can send you the, the link to it. 
Yeah, please do. Yeah, that one was interesting. Um, here we go. Yeah, I got it right here. I'll drop it in for us. All right, perfect. Uh, oh, I was going to tell you, I was supposed to be talking to, to Carly um, coming oh, up good. on Monday. I already got that one set up. Anything uh, in particular I should ask her about? Futures, anything futures. She does anything futures. Yeah, she that that's. I mean, she she has a, a boutique brokerage service that she runs on futures. Essentially, I was gonna end up asking her about that. I, how do you how the fuck do you start a brokerage? Yep, there you go. You should ask her about that. You should ask her about how her day to day looks as a boutique brokerage compared to like and competing against all these big brokerage firms. Yeah, you should ask her about things like payment for order flow. You should mm. ask her about. Uh, commodity future cycles that is really because that's like the big thing she does is commodities but Mm -hmm. because equities are pretty straightforward right like we trade equities and no equity we know a lot about equities anybody that trades for an extended period of time will get there but really the cool part is to be able to tap into very specific industry expertise and commodities are very uh, tricky that way because you have to know about the production cycles of corn. You have to know about what weather will impact the yield of wheat. And right. like learning some of those different nuances is actually really, it's a, it's a neat thing to be able to do. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be a fun conversation too. Yeah, dude. She's, she's dope. She's super, super cool. All right. So what do we have uh, for this week? And we want to talk about, well, what do you think about the good old markets out there? How did the fed do today? <laughs> uh i think they came in as expected right yeah quarter quarter bip rate hike i think the the rate hike was in line with expectations the main thing that was a pretty noteworthy change was the language forecasting out to the 14 june yeah meeting which essentially indicated leaning more towards um a pause because there was right. one specific phrasing that we wanted to hear, which is something. I've got it right here. If you want to hit, if you yeah. want the actual phrase, uh, it's just something about policy firming. Like anything, yeah, anything that included the terms policy firming would have told us that they're looking at more hikes in the future, but that wasn't there. Yep. Yeah. The, the exact phrase was the committee anticipates some additional policy firming may be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with uh, Mr. Banks over in Vonta's trading room about this pre-market. We we're just kind of talking about what uh, he was looking at for the day goes. And he said something that I was thinking kind of last uh, last cycle, where like if the Fed was to come out and not raise rates, that would actually be a little more scary than if they stuck to what everyone was anticipating with the quarter bit. Yeah. And I think I don't think really anybody was expecting to not raise rates. And a lot of that really comes down to the fact that um, we need to make sure that inflation is adequately controlled. So yeah, yeah, by averting off that to your point, if they did that too prematurely, which this definitely would have been at least at this point, that would have grossly freaked everybody out. Um, Yeah. Cause that means that basically the, the whatever's going on with the banking sector is a lot worse than people are thinking. Exactly. It Which means, it's not looking all that great now as is. <laughs> it means that we're we're breaking everything. Yeah. Which I did see if uh, I did see that it looked like First Republic got uh, seized and sold out to JP Morgan on Monday. And this comes, you know, a few days after you were just talking about the the credit crunch that's been going on. Yeah. And it doesn't look like the credit crunch is going anywhere. Um 
I, I think we're just continuing to see more of the impacts of raising rates. I mean, mm-hmm. jack, jacking up rates essentially 5% in what, less than a year and a half. Right. Um, it just, it adds a shit ton of pressure. And my hypothesis is actually that we're just starting to see the actual effects because, you know, we didn't really get to a crescendo until the end of last year. So I think that's also why we're seeing kind of a mixed earnings cycles here where we're hmm. no big surprise seeing large cap doing well. Large cap tends to do well here with a lot of pricing power and then small cap growth tend to not do so great. And that's, I mean, exactly what we're seeing. The S&P 500 as of Monday, I haven't looked at it. Well, I look, I don't know why I would quote you as of Monday, just because I conveniently <laughs> looked at it then. Um, so the S&P 500 year to date today is 6.2% up. And IWM, the Russell 2000 small cap is down 2%. So big variance there. Yeah. Um, and actually, as of Monday, that gap was about the same because the S&P 500 was up 8% and the S&P 500 was about, or uh, IWM was about unchanged. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're seeing that relationship play out. Yeah, you've been shorting uh, IWM for most of the year. At least it seems like every time I talk to you, you're talking about a position you have on there. If you were still holding. Yeah, it's a covered strangle. So it's it's actually bullish in nature. Uh... Um, but it's specific. It has short components to it, to your point. Mm-hmm. So it almost always will. Like right now, I have like what I would consider like the full covered strangle. A lot of times I trade the individual legs on it. But right now I'm long shares. Um, I'm short puts and i actually don't have short calls out right now because they just cycled off but i'll add more short calls and that's essentially what gives us the full coverage triangle so did you trade the fomc movement at all or did you uh, were you trading leading up to it yeah i traded both actually and it's funny because i my i mostly was trading spx for it Uh and i started with my first trade at 9 45 pacific time and it was just short the 4130 straddle. So I got $39 credit on that. Mm-hmm. And I took that in about 20 minutes later, or some of it. I took some of that in 20 minutes later, and then I took more of it in uh, about two hours after that. And then I essentially established a new trade for the release itself, like right around 11, that was kind of recentered because we moved a little bit. So I did that. And I also had some long puts that I bought laddered in both SPY at, mm-hmm. I had the three May expiration and then the 12 May expiration. Okay. Were you trying to do the time conversion? So 9.30 would have been 12.30. So about a half hour before the news event happened. Yeah, because... Yeah, because they what reported two three p.m. Was that it? Uh, two p.m. Eastern, I think. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yep. Yep, yep. Interesting. Interesting. So you were basically just trying to capture the decay from the morning to the release. Is yeah. That, exactly. Is that what I'm understanding? The, okay. Yep. And it's it was definitely fueled by the the volatility because mm-hmm. volatility was there was a very very large overstatement at least for a good part of the day. So that's why I went with. For the SPX trades, it was zero DTE. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no shortage of liquidity there now. <laughs> yeah, no and <laughs> yeah, it, it was to capture both the time, but through volatilities. All right. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. 
Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackie it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. So now that the uh, the move has happened, like what's what's uh, what are you looking at for the rest of the week? Uh, still earnings. We are we are in the throes of earnings. I actually just reestablished a new box spread in SPX, which is a very common holding strategy for me for capital that I have assigned to like the coverage strangle that I'm not currently utilizing. So, for example. I have the 4,000, 5,000, 12 May box spread in SPX. I have a 10 lot. So um, essentially what that means is with a $1,000 width, 10 of them, the loan out is 998,600. The loan value is a million bucks. So what will happen is, is I'll collect that delta on expiration. So it'll be like uh, $1,400. And the annualized return on that is 5.686%. Hmm. I don't think I've ever played around with box spreads. Can you explain the the idea behind those a little bit more? Yeah, of course. And I also have a video that I did on them that I can link for you. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Essentially, a box spread is a strategy used to capture the risk-free rate. It's a risk-free trade if you structure it correctly. And I need to emphasize that heavily because <laughs> yeah. there was a dude, as you probably would have guessed on Reddit, that no. did a box spread in UVXY. And he failed to understand that one of the biggest risks to a box spread is early assignment. So he was early assigned uh, on part of his trade margin call and he lost a shit ton of money, essentially. Oh. So when we're trading box spreads, it's very, very, very important to trade European style options. That's why I use SPX. Oh, so they can't close them early? They're, exactly. There's no early assignment and they're cash settled, which is another beautiful part because yeah. you can hold it through expiration. And if you have legs, you're going to have legs that are in the money, it doesn't matter. You're not going to have any sort of resulting position. It'll just be moved to cash. That's how they make their money. Oh, okay. So huh. yeah, it's, awesome. it's essentially an iron condor is what it's, that's why it's going to be at two strikes. So for the trade that I have on right now, it's long the 4,000 call, mm -hmm. short the 5,000 call, long the 5,000 put, short the 4,000 put. So it's essentially buying a call, selling a put at two different strikes and then inverting on the other strike. Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to have to watch that video because it sounds like it should be. Is that delta neutral then? Is that? Exactly. You you don't care. It's, it's literally risk-free. So it, it can go in circles and it doesn't matter. That's why they don't make a lot of money, right? Like in this case, um, and the other kind of important note is that if you buy them you're essentially making a loan to the market but you can also <laughs> sell them and you can get a loan from the market and sometimes you can get a loan from the market at a better rate than you can elsewhere 
Fucking A. Like I know plenty of people who literally will finance a fucking car or something using uh, a short box spread. Oh, and sure. yeah, exactly. And, and then they'll essentially give themselves an annuity to pay it back. And yeah, you can make out better that way. It's not super common, but the point being is the reason why box spreads are great compared to short-term T-bills or all these other things is they are um, variable. So you can set up the specific timeframes that you want. Like I said, what I use is the capital that I have committed to other trades. Mm -hmm. So if I sell a cash secured put, I don't need that money up front. But if it's just sitting there, it's not doing me any good either, but it, I need to have it available if I get assigned. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I typically put that money in box spreads so that I'm still earning the risk-free rate on that money. And if, let's say, I get assigned, um, I typically time it so that my expiration for the box spreads is before expiration for the short puts. Okay. And then if I had the unfortunate scenario where I'm assigned early and I essentially would use margin... And then it's a math problem. Do I want to just hold the shares on margin that may or may not cost more than a risk-free rate? Typically, it's going to cost more to hold them. Mm -hmm. And if it's the case, then I can just neutralize the box spread, take the money out, and then apply it to the position. So it's like a very variable way to still get a good return. Because if you look at like CDs and stuff like that, they don't pay that. And if they do, you have to go out two years. Right. And you still have relative liquidity with the CD, but it's not the same as a box spread because with a CD account, you pay a penalty if you close it early. Typically, you know, X number of months of interest earned. So then essentially right. you gain nothing. Whereas in the box spread, it's not the case. Hmm. All right. Yeah. I'm going to have to check out that video. Yeah. Going on to the, the earnings then. So what's coming up uh, for the rest of the week? Like what, what are the big ones? So I focus mostly on S&P 500 earnings because I'm generally trading volatility. So mm -hmm. after the market today, we had a couple, a couple that I was watching, like Qualcomm, they reported and they essentially didn't do great, but I actually think that will still be a profitable trade for me. Then there's also Met for today after the market. And then Thursday before the market, there was a couple that looked interesting to me, MRNA. And then... Is that Moderna? Yeah. And then after the market tomorrow, there's Expedia, EXPE. And then I was looking at um, AIG after the market tomorrow. And then Apple after the market tomorrow. And essentially what I'll do is I'll just wait until we get really close to market closing. And then I'll finalize whatever my trade hypothesis is. Typically, like I was telling you last time, it's going to be some sort of volatility capture, but sometimes it'll have a small directional skew. Sometimes it won't, but it's really important for me to be close to the actual release so that you're not mm -hmm. inadvertently getting exposed to direction in the meantime. Yeah, and that was uh, something that I think it took me a little bit to figure out because I think my always I always thought that volatility increases as you approach the earnings date. It does, but it's also not something that's easy to capture because you're just giving yourself a lot more time to have the price movements beforehand too, right? Yeah, if so, like you... the biggest de sorry, the biggest decay should be after as soon as the release is out and the uncertainty is gone. Absolutely. Right, that's yep. that's the meat of the move you want to capture if you're looking at volatility. Absolutely. So the way to trade around earnings releases is long volatility about two weeks out into the release. And then mm -hmm. at the release, post-release is short volatility is really the mm. 
the playbook. But if you do long volatility, like if you buy a straddle, for example, you have to, you don't have to, but it's silly to buy a straddle and not gamma hedge. That's one of the benefits of buying a straddle is to be able to gamma hedge essentially to try to pay your theta decay. So, and with the gamma hedging, you're talking about shifting your the strikes that you're using? No, no. The base position would remain the same. You would use an underlying or a surrogate underlying to gotcha. continue okay. to neutralize okay. the deltas. So when we first place, let's say, a long straddle, our gamma should be about flat. But mm -hmm. you want to maintain, yeah, it's, sorry, it's kind of a, retail traders very commonly would call it delta hedging, but really what you're doing is gamma hedging. Like at the end of the day, okay. that's actually what's that happening. My, yeah. Because delta is it's fleeing delta is there and then it's gone and a lot of that is because of gamma so that's why mm -hmm. people who are trying to maintain direction neutrality were way more concerned with gamma than delta interesting great stuff today i don't didn't expect to get into such a nuts and bolts type conversation but i don't know that's uh that's why i like talking to you Dude, could end up shooting the shit about guns for 15 20 minutes or we could be talking about stocks and options yeah exactly and i i think we're in a really cool market environment now, you know, to, to take a look at this stuff. So yeah, I, I think, especially for people that are interested in trading earnings, it's like, it's really useful to understand the behavior around earnings and getting into things like PEED is really important because there's just, there's so many misconceptions around earnings plays. Mm -hmm. hmm. Sounds like we should do a course on that. Yeah, I'm actually working on a, a video. I, I haven't started it yet, but I have it on my hit list to do um, essentially trading uh, trading earnings with options. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, to let us know when that comes out. Sure, we had plenty of people looking for it. Yeah. Uh, there was, I think, before we sign off, I just wanted to kind of talk about some of the stuff that's coming up for the end of the week. Cause just because we had FOMC doesn't mean that we're done with uh, high-impact news. Um Thursday, we've got jobless claims pre-market. Uh, and then Friday, we've got unemployment reports coming out. Also, keep in mind now that the FOMC is done, there's going to be a lot more Fed speakers jumping on the mic and just throwing a wrench into everything. <laughs> if you are trading on the daily, like most of us are, not like Eric. I don't think Eric cares. Uh, any other high impact things coming out uh, for the rest of the week that people should be paying attention to? No, I mean, I think you hit the the main stuff. I think the trade balance, I don't know if you mentioned that. I didn't catch that, but... Uh, the trade deficit, I didn't. I don't think that's usually high impact, is it? It, it will be. Yeah, I, I think it will oh, be really? for this cycle. Yeah, yeah. I, what I do you think? I would argue that trade balance is going to be a bigger impact than like continued jobless claims, probably in line with jobless claims. Not as high impact, but close to it. Interesting. What's the uh, what's the idea? Is that just showing how? Because um, like as inflation increases in America, our goods should get cheaper outside of the country. Is that kind of looking at like that idea? It's yeah. It's looking at. I threw a link into the BEA, which will kind okay. of give you the the actual release. But it tells us a lot about the health of the economy in general. That that's why it's really important because. Interesting. Yeah, as we're in an inflationary period right now, moving products is super important, but then we also get a sight on what products are being impacted and how. So yeah, in this okay. kind of environment, okay. it's kind of a big deal. All right, that'll be tomorrow morning before the bell too. Mm -hmm. All right, anything else you want to leave uh, the listeners with before we wrap up here? No, sir. All right, well, that's going to take us to the end of the episode today. Let's say thanks to everybody who stuck around to the end. Bye. And of course, Eric for the 
<laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, for the well-timed goodbyes. <laughs> if you'd like to know more about Eric, uh, make sure you check out his YouTube at ES Invests. Also have links for those podcast episodes he uh, mentioned in the beginning. You can check us out at twobullsinachinashop.com. Be back in here soon with another exciting episode. But until then, harness your inner happy Gilmore and just tap that five-star rating into its home. Like that one. Just tap it in. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.